and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Hey, thank you so much for being here. As, as, as Pastor Donnie said, that the Africa team's doing well, and uh, uh, just keep them in your prayers. Uh, they get back on the 17th, and so uh, we're believing for great things for them. So how many of you know we live in a world where we want everything in a hurry, right? We want everything in a hurry. We like the convenience of when we eat dinner we like the, or lunch, we like the convenience of a drive-through because we're constantly going, right? Or the convenience of a drive-through pharmacy. Um, our car wash, when's the last time that you've ever watched somebody wash their car on their driveway? I used to do that every single Sunday. I used to wash my car. It was just something I did. When's the last time you've seen somebody wash their car? No, they go through the car wash because we're in a hurry. We're constantly going. We like things disposable, disposable plates, disposable silverware because families, it's hard because of all the things that we're doing. It's hard to find time to do all the dishes and do everything that we're doing. So we like things disposable. We like unwavering cell phone service. Who's with me on that? Oh my goodness. That's another sermon. We'll save that for another time. But never have so many complained of having so little time to enjoy life. We go, go, go. We've got to make that meeting. We've got to make that appointment. We've got to get to that ball game. And we wonder sometimes why we're so exhausted. I didn't really realize how busy I was until my daughter moved out about a month or so ago, and my son has become more self-sufficient, 17 years old. And uh, I don't know, it was about a month ago, Rochelle and I were making dinner and we ate dinner, and after we got done with dinner, we just kind of stared at each other, and we're like, well, we don't got nowhere to go. What are we going to do? <laughs> you know, all, all of our shows are off, you know, they're, the seasons are done, so there's, there's, you know, and I'm not going to lie, it's been rather nice. You know, I'm, I'm folks, I'm, I'm two to three years, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm two to three years from being an empty nester. And I'm serious, it, it has really caused me to do some soul searching because it's a season that I don't have a clue. I, I'm, I'm, I've never been there. I don't know what it's going to be like. But don't get me wrong, I, I, miss, I miss Cameron living with us and I'll, I'll miss it when Cole is gone. But it's made me realize just how busy I have been and just how fast-paced I have been living. Sometimes, something else I've realized that I think too often we sacrifice quality for convenience. We sacrifice quality for convenience. We say we don't have enough time. We say we can't wait. And the truth is you always have enough time to do the things that you want to do. And I want, I want you to hear me today. This is not another slow down you know, make time for church message, okay? It's not that at all today. 
If we want to make sure that we can weather life's greatest storms, we need to step out of the quicksand, if you will, of convenience and step onto the foundation of Jesus Christ, who's our cornerstone. Storms, trials are an inevitable, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. We will go through tough times. It's, it's, a, it's simply just a reality that our lives will experience a train wreck or two. You may be on the brink of a storm in your life right now. Maybe you're in the middle of one. Maybe you're just coming out of a trial. You may be tempted to jump to a quick fix solution, but before you act, let me show you just how you can build on something that will last a lifetime, a foundation that will last for your whole life. I want to show you how you can anchor down to a foundation that no matter what storm comes your way, that you'll be able to endure it. Jesus, when he spoke, when he preached, he, a lot of times he did it through parables. And he used agricultural type parables because everybody then basically was either a fisherman or a farmer. That's what they did. And he spoke in those terms as far as when he would compare life to this or that, you know, in, in, in Luke 8, I'm not going to, it's not on the screen, but in, in Luke 8, he tells a parable of the sower. And, you know, another part in the New Testament, he talks about the parable of the mustard seed, that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move. He talked about the parable of weeds. Make sure you hear me, plural, weeds, not the parable of weed. Parable of weeds. Make sure you hear me. I want to make sure you're awake today. We're not that kind of church. He talked about fig trees. He talked about lost sheep. He talked about doors. He talked about the narrow door versus the wide door. He was constantly comparing uh, eternal things to things that we know that we can understand. Sometimes we have to keep the gospel basic. Sometimes we have to not be so complicated so that we can understand the benefits of the gospel. I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. You know, the Pharisees one day were trying to trip up Jesus and they, they were always trying to get him to contradict himself. And one day they asked Jesus, they said, what, what's the greatest commandment? And real quick, he said, to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said, but equally as important is to love your neighbor as yourself. So love God, love people. It's really that simple. Love God, love people. And sometimes it's hard to love people. But that's what God commands us to do. Jesus wraps up his Sermon on the Mount, which this whole series have, have been based on Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when Jesus spoke about the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, Jesus talks about a subject that he really knows well, because Jesus was a carpenter, he was a builder. And he gives us clear instruction on how we can build a rock 
solid foundation in our lives. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about a man who builds his house on a rock and somebody who built their house on the sand. And I want to read this to you today. Matthew chapter 7, we'll start with verse 24. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he had taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You see, Jesus understood the importance of basics. He understood the fundamentals of faith. He, he spoke profound enough to put the religious leaders on edge, but he spoke simple enough that a child could understand it. One of my favorite people to listen to and to read about as far as leaders are concerned, you know, I, I, I love, you know, John Maxwell. I love, there's several different people I love to read about. But one of my favorite leaders um, and mentors is a man by the name of John Wooden. John Wooden was one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. He coached the UCLA Bruins from the late 40s all the way up into the mid-70s. He was a 10-time NCAA champion. He was a 12-time Final Four contender. Is there any basketball fans in the house? Any of you guys like watching the tournament, like following college basketball? If you don't, just amen and just kind of go with me. Um, there, there, there is a principle behind what I'm getting ready to tell you today. He was a 15-time Pac-12 conference champion, and he won the AP College Coach of the Year five different times. He was a leader. He was a mentor of young men. He was, you don't hear this term anymore, but he was a man's man. He's a great man. He was an old school coach. He did all kinds of things that his players would consider unusual or unorthodox. But here's the deal about Coach Wooden. He won. He knew how to win. And he did that because he taught the basics and he built on a solid foundation. The game for Coach Wooden was, was always about fundamentals. Many of America's greatest high school basketball players would go on to play college basketball for Coach Wooden at UCLA. Players like the great Lou Alcindor, who later changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, over 38,000 career points in the NBA. Every season opening practice, Coach Wooden would gather his players 
So this is the first practice of the year in the fall before they ever play a game. He would gather his players. Again, remember, these are, the, these are some of the greatest players in the nation. And he would gather his players and he would instruct them on how to put their socks on. Imagine what these young men must have been thinking. I've come to UCLA, the greatest basketball school in the country. I've come here to learn how to put my socks on. And Coach Wooden would make it very clear. Yes, you will learn to put your socks on the correct way. That's exactly what I'm going to teach you before you ever pass a basketball or before you ever shoot a layup. And Coach Wooden would ask, do you know why you've got to put your socks on the correct way? And he would say, because if you don't put your socks on properly, there'll be wrinkles in your socks and wrinkles cause blisters and you can't play with blisters. And so Wooden would teach his players step by step, first the right foot, pull it tight, get that seam going straight across the top of your toe and smooth it out all the way to your ankle. And this is back when they wore their socks all the way up to here. Of course, I think that might be coming back. You know how that is. You know how... And so he would teach them. That, that's the basics. It doesn't get any more basic than that. By emphasizing fundamentals, Wooden built a foundation to last the season, and for so many of these youthful, young basketball players, their professional careers, they would use the things that Coach Wooden taught them all the way until they were old, until they were grandparents, if you will. Wooden demanded that his players had short hair, and he didn't like long, no long hair, no long beards. He wanted them to be clean shaven. And he would always tell his players, do you know why? And he would say, it's because long hair will stay wet longer after a shower, increasing the odds of you catching a cold and preventing you from playing. This was during an era where long hair, you've got to think 60s, 70s, this is during an era where long hair and long beards, I'm looking at Tyler Hammond right there, long hair and long beards, <laughs> sorry, Tyler, you're, you just caught me. <laughs> That was pretty popular, especially in California. And the story goes on after summer break, the great future NBA player and Hall of Famer, Bill Walton, returned to UCLA. He was playing for Coach Wooden. And he returned a following year. I, I want to say it was his junior year, and he had long hair, and he had this long beard. And Coach Wooden looked at him and he said, Bill, you know you're going to have to cut that. And Walton turned to him and says, no, you have no right to tell me that, Coach. I should be able to wear my hair the way that I want. And Wooden paused, looked at him, and he said, Bill, do you really believe that? Do you believe it that strongly? And Walton said, I absolutely do. And Coach Wooden said, well... I like a man who believes in something so strongly that he's willing to stand up for what he believes in. And then Coach Wooden stuck out his hand and he said, it's been nice having you on the team, Bill. We're really going to miss you. 
The next day, Bill Walton showed up to practice with a brand new haircut and a clean-shaven face. And if you know anything about basketball, Bill Walton learned to play the game like very few before or since then. He learned the basics from John Wooden. And Coach Wooden passed away in 2010. And I still love to hear Bill Walton tell stories of how he would call him once a week, even when, even as an old man, Bill Walton, he would call him once a week just to talk about life. And he would say, Coach Wooden, definitely I am, I'm nobody without him in my life, without him showing me the basics and the fundamentals. You see, there's a great opportunity to complicate our lives, to miss out on the basics. Yet it's my belief that Jesus wants us to focus on the basics as we seek him. And as we build our lives around knowing him, knowing his word, and obey it. Because if you know the word of God, James tells us that faith without works is is dead. And I want to read Matthew 7 one more time. And then I want to give you three truths about building on a strong foundation. Matthew 7 Again, starting in verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Two men, both home builders, let's assume they built the same house, both faced storms, one house stood, the other collapsed. Both, this is very important, both heard the words of Jesus. If you read it again, both Jesus says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Both of them heard the words of Jesus, but only one chose to apply those words to his life. The other did not. Jesus uses this easy to understand yet vivid picture to direct us in building on the right foundation of our lives. You can have two houses, but one with the strongest foundation is going to be the one that stands through the greatest storms. In the same way, you can have two people who go to church. They might dress the same. They might live in the same neighborhood. They might speak the same language They might carry the same Bible. They might even sing the same songs. 
Yet there can be a distinct difference between them because one who hears and internalizes the words of Jesus and the other one may hear those words, but they fail to acknowledge it in his or her life. Because faith without works is dead. Hearing the words of Jesus and then actually obeying the words of Jesus are two totally different things. And I want to give you three truths today about building on the right foundation. This is in you version. If you follow on the Bible app, um, you can search events, go to Destiny Church, and you can see the notes there on the Bible app, you version. Three truths about building on the right foundation. Number one, everybody builds on something. Everybody builds on something. If you read this same scripture from Luke's perspective, and I like to point this out because Luke was a physician. In other words, he was educated. Luke tends to, when he tells a story of what Jesus may have said, he usually goes into a little bit greater detail. And if you read this same story in Luke, it's got a little bit more detail to it, Luke chapter 6, verse 47, Luke recalls Jesus saying, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. Verse 48, they are like a man who, a, a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on a work, on a rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it. Why? Because it was well built. Every single one of us is building every day that we live by the way that we talk, by the way that we parent, by the way that we act, by the way that we treat others. In everything we do, we are building on something. Jesus is asking us to build our lives on him, on the foundation, on the cornerstone, or as Peter says, the rock. Every one of us, including myself, we need to take a long look in the mirror and look into our souls and ask ourselves, what am I building on? What does my foundation look like? You see, sometimes it's good, it's a good idea to do a foundation check. Because if you look at a house, and you see a part of a house that may be settling, or have you ever been to an old house where the floor is starting to slant a little bit? Or you've got cracks in the drywall. The first thing you really need to do is you need to look at the foundation. You need to look if, see if a floor joist is sagging. You need to look and see if there's a crack in the foundation. And the same thing is with our lives, folks. If you see that there's something in your life that's not quite adding up, that something is just doesn't look right or something doesn't feel right, take a look at the foundation. Take a look at what you're putting into your life. Take a look at what you're listening to. Take a look at what you're watching. Take a look at all areas of your life but because everything rises and falls on the foundation. You with me today? Everything, everyone is building on something. Are you building on temporary things? Are you building on things that are easily moved and easily blown over by a storm? 
Are you hearing the words of Jesus and are you, are you really putting them into practice in your life? You see, there's great value on hearing the words of Jesus and hiding those words in our hearts so that the next storm comes, we've got something to stand on. We have something to tie on to. We have something that we can use to maybe help somebody else who's going through that same storm that you went through a year ago. Everyone is building on something. So what are you building on? What's your foundation look like? Is it temporary? Are you building on the words that Jesus has taught us and is speaking to us? Everybody is building on something. Number two, everyone will go through storms. You will go through storms. John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will, not might, not maybe, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Both of these men in Matthew chapter 7 went through the same storm. Yet one house survived and the other didn't. Both heard the words of Jesus, but only one applied them. Is it really that simple, Pastor Jason? Is it really that basic? Yes. You will go through a storm. It doesn't matter. And let me tell you something. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have never said yes to His way and no to your way, I just want to tell you, it's not the quick fix. It's not going to get you out of a storm, okay? It's not, you will still go through a storm when you have Jesus in your life. But let me tell you something, you'll be able to endure it. Because Jesus said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He will walk with you every step of the way. And James, uh, I believe it's chapter two, James talks about going through trials and how it develops perseverance. Even, Even people in the Bible that not Jesus tell us that we will go through tough times. But how many of you know going through a tough time with someone else is a lot easier than going through it alone? And Jesus will walk with you every step of the way. There's some of you in the building today, maybe you're watching online today. You're in a storm right now. Maybe you just came out of one. I want you to know that God sees you right where you are and he has not forgotten about you. He's telling you to quit looking at how severe the storm is, but rather lean into him so that he can help you endure it. A retired couple by the name of Warren and Pam Adams owned a home on the beach in a town called Gilchrist, Texas. It's somewhat halfway between Houston and Galveston. When Hurricane Rita swept through Galveston in 2005, their home was destroyed. Nothing left. And determined to rebuild, they decided to stay in Gilchrist on the the exact same spot, the exact same lot, 
But this time when they rebuilt, they dug a deep foundation and they built their house actually up on stilts. You ever been to the beach and sometimes you see houses uh, they're almost built like a pole barn. They have these stilts and that's so that the storm surge can go under their house. But they dug down deep, they reinforced everything, made it as strong as they could possibly make it. And in 2008, just three years later, Hurricane Ike swept through the Galveston area. Destroyed thousands of homes. Ike took 195 lives, and it cost just over $30 billion to the United States alone. Every home in the Gilchrist area was destroyed except for one. I don't want you to look at this picture here. Total devastation. There's a few other pictures I wanted to show. The quality wasn't quite as good. But you, there's one picture that looks down the whole coast and there's nothing and all you see is one house. Because this home had a strong foundation, it withstood one of the most devastating hurricanes ever recorded. You see, there's no way to dodge a storm. I don't care how strong or weak you are as a Christian. There is a way to endure it though. And the way we endure it is by hearing his words and by obeying them. If you're here today and you're going through a tough time, I hope this is inspirational to you right here. Because when I read this story and I looked at that, I was like, man, you, there's not a better example. There's not a better parable, if you will, to look. Because when I see this, I see Jesus. I see a strong foundation. I see something that you can build on. That house went through a storm. You will go through a storm. You will go through a trial. You will go through tough times. But if you build a strong foundation, this right here is what happens. You will always go through a storm at some point in your life. We're always building on something. You'll go through a storm or two. Number three, if you do go through a storm, and maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't built on Jesus. Maybe you haven't built your life on that foundation. Number three is encouraging to me. You can always rebuild. You can always rebuild. Even if a storm's taken everything from you, you can always rebuild. Even if a trial has gotten the very best of you, you can always rebuild. The greatest thing about Jesus is that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've been through, he's always there to welcome you with arms open wide. And you can always rebuild on Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. I want to read this scripture Paul writes. I want to read this to you as I close today. It's from the message translation. Paul says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? Doesn't get any more basic than that, right? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, the most important thing to him, in other words, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of his chosen? 
Bible tells us that we're family, we're an heir, we're chosen. Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God. The Bible says he's sitting at his right hand and he's sticking up for you and I. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sin. Man, that is so, I love that. Not even the worst sin can keep you from God. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. And then Paul says, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Now, is that, mo- that, is that not the most inspirational thing you've heard all week? Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. No sin, even the worst of sin, nothing can separate every single one of us from God's love. And today I hope, I hope you take a long look into your life, into your heart, and ask yourself, what am I building on? Maybe you need to do a foundation check. Maybe there's some areas in your life that are just battered. Maybe there's an area in your life that, you know, you can always tell. You can always tell, you know, the Bible tells us a a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. You can always tell where you are in your life by the fruit you are producing. I want to ask you today, what are you building on? What are you building your life on? Is it temporary things? Or is it things that are eternal? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.